0: Hello and welcome to Nick's Nerd News. This is where you come to listen to breaking news when it comes to the nerd world. That means we have breaking video game news, movie news, and TV news. If you want to hear about the latest games, the latest movies, and everything else, stick around. Because here's your host Nick from a tiny studio in San Diego. It is September 6th. <laughs> that's wild, isn't it? It's, I, You know what, I'm sure you guys are tired of me saying that's wild to the, the date every week. I mean, the date just amazes me every week. I can't help myself. <laughs> no, time is going faster than I could have ever predicted it to go. Remember when you were little and time would seem like it would drag on forever, and now as an adult it seems like, the days and hours pass by in the, in a matter of seconds. Well, that that's where I'm at on the timeline, realistically. Um, no, wel- welcome to the podcast, folks. Welcome to Nickster News. It's me, your host, Nick. Who could it else could it be? Right, right. Am I right? I'm right. But how are you guys doing? We got uh, we got some fun stuff to talk about. I I got Starfield a little early. I haven't been able to play a lot of it early, even though. I got it early, and it officially came out today. But I'm still loving it. I'm still loving Starfield. It's it's great. It's my th- first Bethesda game, so I'm I'm figuring out some Bethesda kinks. But that that's okay. That's okay. Uh, some other top stories. And and one of these stories supports why the strikes are still ongoing: the writer's strike and the actor strike. Aaron Paul has come out. Now uh, this will be a deadline. Aaron Paul has come out. And said that he's not getting any residuals from Netflix airing episodes of Breaking Bad. Which is pretty ridiculous, because I know a lot of people watch Breaking Bad on Netflix. This is why the strikes are happening, people. Um, And even though the strikes are ongoing, I I do still want to talk about Ahsoka. um, Because it's Star Wars and I love Star Wars. And just the fact that the greatest episode of Star Wars television... Was on TV last night, and I'm probably going to say that again next week, but that's because Ahsoka has been so damn good. It's damn near perfect. It 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 feels like I'm watching the movies, and and I think that's why we'll, we'll expound on that later, right? But that's why I'm loving Ahsoka so much. Uh, but those are the top three stories. Um, We are also going to do my favorite 80s animated films later today uh, at the end of the episode. But before we get all to that, let's uh, just wrap up some things. Hey, guess what? You can listen to the show wherever you want. And to do that, just head to NicksterNews.com. You can listen to the show right in your browser. And guess what? We got links to all the best places to listen. We're on Spotify. We're on Google Podcasts. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on iHeartRadio. We're on Amazon Music and Audible. You know what? I I can't even think of where else we're at because we're pretty much everywhere. So make sure you guys head to that link, um, nixnernews.com. Also, while you're there, check out our social tab. We got Instagram. We got Threads. We got Twitter, Facebook. Uh, I'm on TikTok. That's where I post a lot of stuff. Check out Nixner News on your favorite social media platform of choice. Or the Nick Defalco on TikTok. That's my personal one. That's where I post everything. That's where you guys can keep track of what the sh- what's going on with the show. Different videos I post. I do collection spotlights. I do um, I list all the top movies. If you guys don't listen to the full podcast, whole lot of stuff on there. Uh, I'm gonna start doing some other things. So just stay tuned, stick around. You guys will have fun. But that's just some important things. Let's get to the real stuff. The news, that's what you're here for. Alright, so, as usual, we start with video game news. And uh, some, some sad news out of the Embracer group. They have decided to shut down... Volition, in uh, in response to everything that you know has been going on with the Embracer Group, their loss of that huge deal with the Saudis, things like that, and it it it's really unfortunate that they have to close such a storied such a storied studio and one that I've enjoyed for a very very long time. A lot of their games. Uh, the biggest blow, of course, was. Saints Row that came out last year that the reboot that didn't really hit expectations from a lot of people. I was never a big Saints Row fan, so I I can't speak to the nature of, of if it if it was good or not. I'm I'm looking at based on information I can see where you know, big long-time fans of the series didn't necessarily like the reboot, uh whereas a lot of people some people did enjoy it. Maybe they were new to the franchise things like that. But it it was something that I Never got into. However, on the flip side of that, Volition's other major franchise IP, which I have loved for a very long time, was of course Red Faction. Um, that is something I hope they don't let that IP die. Red Faction was... There's many different ones. Essentially, you lead a revolt on a planet. Uh, they always had the some of the best uh, uh, physics in ter- destruction physics in terms of games where you could destroy things uh Red Faction Guerrilla was one of my favorites that was kind of like a mini reboot uh but technically a sequel as well set many years in the future from from the first Red Faction game and you could r- run around uh you could run around Mars with like a giant hammer axe and just destroy shit and yeah there were rocket launchers, and cars, and stuff like that, but the fact that you could just go around and destroy shit with a hammer axe was probably the best part about it, and I personally love that game, and god, that game's over 10 years old, but it was, it's such a great game, you should check it out if you haven't, they did like a remaster a few years ago, it is a really fun game, uh, and like I said, the destruction physics are amazing in it. Uh, the sequel to it wasn't great, but it, it just it it's something I hope they don't let that IP live in squalor, uh, or they sell it off because it, that is a great IP to have around to to keep using. Um, Borderlands is coming to Switch, and a new Pandora's Box collection might be coming to PlayStation, PC, and Xbox as well. So if you've been holding out on uh, Borderlands, well, Borderlands Three specifically, uh, that will be coming to Switch. Beyond Good and Evil, it might be getting a 20th anniversary like remaster, uh, as it was it was rated by the ESRB. Ubisoft has yet to comment on this potential game release. Meanwhile, the sequel is still MIA and. I'm afraid, is probably a decade away. (laughs) I don't think that game... That is a game that is, like, most definitely vaporware, and I don't think it's ever really coming out, to be honest. Um, Yeah, I don't know, man. (laughs) I don't know. It looks cool, but I don't know if it's ever coming out. CD Projekt Red has announced that Cyberpunk 2077 uh, has made the technological decision, quote-unquote, and that's because of their complete overhaul of the game, that it will only be getting one DLC, and that will be Phantom Liberty. Um, during their latest earnings call, Vice President of Business Michael Nowakowski had said that because they shifted from the Red Engine to Unreal 5 uh, is the biggest reason for that. Um, he said, quote, as we've announced a long time ago, we're not going to make a second or third expansion Uh, This is the only expansion of the game, as it has nothing to do with the numbers and how satisfied or not we are with the sales or anything of the kind. It's a technological decision, to be honest. This is the last time we're working on the Red Engine, for the time being at least. And in the foreseeable future, as you know, we are working on the Unreal Engine from Epic. This was one of the key reasons why we decided Phantom Liberty was the only one. Unquote. So, obviously that makes sense. They, They completely overhauled the game. Adding this second DLC is fine as they shift their focus on To The Witcher 4. Totally understandable. Nintendo held a Direct, this time in response to Mario Bros. Wonder, the upcoming Super Mario Brothers game. Several things we've learned about the game. and uh, it, will, it will include eight different playable characters, all of which will have their own version of the Elephant, which is part of the new power-up system that they have. There's a new perk system, uh, and it's like you can earn different things to somewhat level up your character. And also announced was a special edition of the Switch OLED, uh, which is a Mario edition. It's all red compared to the all-white one. Um, But that's uh, some of the news that came out of Nintendo in regards to Mario Bros. Wonder. And we also learned that Shigeru Miyamoto didn't necessarily like Elephant Mario at first, so... (laughs) That's a fun little nugget of trivia for you there. A new G.I. Joe game was announced. It's it's, uh, built in the beat-em-up style of old 80s arcade games. uh, Similar to the Simpsons game and, of course, the uh, ever-loved Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game. Uh, It is called G.I. Joe Wrath of Cobra and is expected to release very soon. Lenovo has decided to get into the handheld PC race. Uh, they have announced the Legion Go. It is a handheld PC with detachable controllers. Uh, this was announced at IFA 2023, which was the... Uh, it's like a tech conference. Uh, the Legion Go. It is a... Like I said, it, it has detachable controller hand pads, however you want to call them, they're called the Legion True Strike. It will have a kickstand on the rear of the device. It will have a D pad, a mouse wheel, 10 programmable shoulder buttons, triggers, and grip buttons, along with two thumbsticks on each controller, and a touchpad uh, as well. So, it, they, have been, they have also announced that to make sure it doesn't have the similar fate of joystick drifting like the Switch, it uh, uses Hall Effect joysticks. It will have an 8.8-inch QHD Plus IPS display with touchscreen support. It will have 16 gigs of LPDDR5X RAM, M.2 SSD storage in in three different configurations, 256 gig, 512 gig, and 1 terabyte. There will be a micro SD card slot device, allowing you to add up to 2 terabytes of additional storage. It will also include the AMD Ryzen Z1 Extreme CPU And R D N A graphics with Windows 11 pre-installed. So, there will be a FPS mode available on it. And what that does is allow you to detach the controllers from the screen. Use the kickstand. Um, Oh, wow, that will cool. You can put the the controllers in a magnetic base with an optical eye. Interesting. Um, That will release in October... And start at a retail price of $699.99. So $700 for the Lenovo Legion Go. Uh, the Stardew Valley creator, who is a singular man, the developer, everything, has announced that uh, they're going to be releasing a cookbook related to Stardew Valley. So if you're big Stardew Valley fans, cookbook's coming for you. Uh, the developers behind Stalker 2, who are located in the Ukraine, uh, have have announced that nothing will break them essentially. obviously Ukraine is still under threat and under siege by Russia. Uh, and they are in eastern Ukraine. They remain unbroken and determined to release the game to all of their fans, uh, hopefully this year, if not early next year. and uh, that that is a great sign of 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 just boldness and strong will and heart from them. Uh, as they align themselves with the rest of the Ukrainian people, of course. Um, and speaking of game devs being uh, unbroken, if you will, a new survey conducted um, by the uh, who did this survey uh, via I- IATSE's Game Workers Survey. Uh, IATSE is, of course, the workman interact or that that's the union uh, that a lot of game developers have started to join. Um, which is the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees, uh, in a new poll conducted, a new survey, has found that the video game industry is, quote, suspended in a parallel reality compared to other sectors of entertainment where union representation is more common, um, unquote. They also said, quote, now five times more profitable for these employers than motion pictures, unquote. That's That's the video game industry always been making more. But the biggest takeaway from this is, quote, Most game workers reported that their game career is either unsustainable or they're unsure whether it is sustainable, and less than half make it to their seventh year working in the industry. Unfair pay disparities within singular job titles, lack of retirement security, pressure to work unpaid overtime, low wages, burnout, and exhaustion were widespread and commonly reported, unquote. Uh, They also followed it up with, quote, ultimately, two and three respondents indicated they did not believe they were in a position to negotiate viable solutions to these problems on their own, highlighting an environment where unionization and collective bargaining could be a viable alternative to the status quo, unquote. Now, I've been reporting on this for quite a while, and I'm sure a lot of you understand the nature of video game development if you've been listening to this podcast or are a gamer in general, you've heard of the term of crunch. And this happens when a game is ready to release and studios somehow put all of their staff on it in like the last week and they have to work like hundred hour weeks and aren't paid properly for the overtime. And I get it, right? That that's a completely understandable thing to be very, very upset about. And I can understand why they're unionizing, especially when it comes to pay. Game testers are paid like less than some other jobs and they're paid pretty low for what they have to do. Um, I get it. And I get why unionization is happening. And this survey is kind of an indication of that. Um, which is very, very interesting. So, this was from March uh, through mid-August. It was, it's, They're still collecting some responses. Uh, obviously, you have to be part of the video game industry. And it includes AAA, mobile, and indie developers. Uh, skewed heavily towards AAA developers though uh, over 57% of them were this is all via IGN as well so it looks like of all that like I said where we got that less than 7 years average year of in- industry experience was 6.9 so less than the 7 years uh, 42.9% said yes if if it was working in games as sustainable 379 said no and 192 said unsure. So, uh, only employees with multiple decades of experience said they felt it was sustainable. So that's a small percentage, but uh, like I said, it mostly has to do with crunch. So, uh, 50% of respondents said they, they have experience with crunch in the last two years. Uh, 57.9% of respondents said they are paid annual salary, 26.4 reporting hourly pay. Um, Some quotes from them say, quote, it's frustrating to work a 14-hour day and know that with California overtime laws, I should be getting paid for 18 hours of my time when I'm only getting paid 8, unquote. That's breaking the law right there. Uh, 45% of workers said their pay is not keeping pace with rising costs of living. Well, nearly 20% said they were unsure. 54.3% said they've not been able to negotiate a raise on an individual basis. Ooh, that's not cool. All this information is online. Like I said, multiple outlets are reporting it. I got my information from IGN, which quoted the IOTC survey directly. Uh, Pete Hines, who's uh, one of the heads over at Bethesda, you know, they today the game officially launched. By the way, the Halo art that they put out in, in honor of, of uh, Starfield was great. Anyway, uh, Pete Hines, one of the studio heads at Bethesda, said that He's optimistic about the future of Redfall. You know, he's got to say that, right? Um, he said, like, look at what happened with Fallout 76. And it's like, uh, I don't know, man. Is Fallout 76 really doing as well as you want us stall to believe? But it's just funny for them to still be talking about Redfall on the day that Starfield officially releases. So, we just talked about that the IATSE survey in regards to game developers. Well, how about game actors? SAG-AFTRA is now looking to potentially strike against video game developers as well. Via Variety, uh, SAG-AFTRA has said that negotiating toward a video game contract have reached a stalemate. And, uh, lovely. Uh, (laughs) More strikes. I get it, I do. Uh, Their goal is to, quote, win wage increases in protection from artificial intelligence, unquote. So yes, this is true. Artificial intelligence is infecting the game world as well. Some studios have looked at the possibility of using AI to voice NPCs, so we'll see what happens. Uh, This contract is with Activision Productions, Electronic Arts Productions, Insomniac Games, Epic Games, WB, and more uh, other studios. That is set to expire on November 7th. Uh, Last year of 2022, they extended, uh, they agreed to an extended talk and uh, there is supposed to be a resumption of talks on September 26th later this month. So these are the official demands, quote, an 11% retroactive increase in rates for video game performers, followed by increases of 4% and 4%, unquote. Uh, This is similar to what they're asking the AMPTP in regards to movies. And uh, again, it has to do with artificial intelligence, pay, and all things like that. So, we may potentially have a video game actor strike as well. If you remember, this happened several years back, which led to a lot of big name people not necessarily voicing actors in video games. So, or it could cause major delays as well. Uh, Final Fantasy Seventeen. Square Enix has announced, excuse me, Final Fantasy 16. 17 hasn't even been entered the ether yet. <laughs> uh, it will get two DLC packages and a PC port has officially been announced. So if you're big fans of Final Fantasy 16, don't put it down yet cuz more's coming. Uh, Starfield has saved a man's life. <laughs> uh, this uh uh somewhere in Northern California, a a uh, man said that um <laughs> first off he this is on reddit his name was tidy killa tid i don't know how to say his name uh, he said in a post on reddit quote starfield saved me and my family's life i've waited for this game since the trademark rumors of 2015 2016 don't remember when exactly In anticipation, I pre-ordered a premium edition, waiting to play the game. On the night of August 31st, I decided to stay up and play as long as possible to experience this new universe. At 2.26 in the morning, while playing the game, I heard an explosion from my downstairs neighbor's apartment. I paused my game to see what was happening. When I opened the door, I saw flames rising up our stairwell to our apartment. I immediately got my wife and cat rushing us to safety with only minor burns. If I hadn't been up binging Starfield, I would have been asleep, and we would have all died to smoke inhalation. I want to thank this game for saving my family and me from a horrible fate, unquote. Uh, This happened up in Chico, which is up in Northern California. But the fact that a video game saved this man's life. See, kids, don't ever tell your parents it's a bad thing to stay up late and play video games. It may one day save your life. (laughs) Oh, man. So, Doug Bowser, who is the current head of Nintendo of America, has been very... Open as of late, uh, being interviewed and, and things like that, and um, he did an enter, he did an interview with IGN uh, at a recent Nintendo Live event, and he said he said quote he stopped counting the years unquote when it comes to lifetime sales of the of the Switch and its potential full lifetime, following up by saying quote and the reason is first of all we talked about this when we launched the Nintendo Switch we really did believe this was a very, very differentiated model and device that people could play at home, like a home console, take on the go, like a handheld, and there's a variety of different gameplay experiences somewhere in between, and so it's maintained that point of differentiation, quite honestly, over the years quite nicely. The other way I look at this is every year, there are millions of households that have children reaching the age of 6 or 7 or 8, and they're making choices about how they want to engage their family in gaming, and what platform they want to bring their family in with. And I really believe Nintendo positions itself very well because of that versatility of the device and of equal importance, unquote. This is all, of course, in response to the Switch being one of the most sold consoles of all time. Uh, It's reaching its seven, eight years, I think it will be, when uh, next year, when the rumors of a potential Switch 2 or whatever the next Nintendo console ends up being. Um, He also talked about Charles Martinet and things in that regard, uh, especially with Super Mario Brothers and Charles Martinet no longer voicing the character. And uh, he said, quote, And if I think about folding Nintendo Live into the bigger strategy, this year has really been a very unique, and I dare say, banner year for Nintendo in a lot of ways. It started with the opening of Super Nintendo World at Universal Studios in Hollywood, which follows the opening of the park two years ago in Osaka. We launched the Super Mario Bros. movie, which very quickly became the second-largest box office-grossing animated film of all time at $1.3 We launched The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom, which 18 million units later, after a very brief period of time, it's one of our fastest launch titles ever, and then the event today. So it's really this drumbeat of activities, entertainment-based activities, where we're trying to find ways to continue to introduce more and more people, Not just players, but people to Nintendo IP. So that's what we're excited about, unquote. Um, I do want to see what he said, though, about Charles Martinet. Uh, So IGN asked, I loved it. Yes, I think it's shaping up really well. I do really want to talk about that really briefly. Can you talk about the decision to make Charles Martinet a brand ambassador and what that entails and when we can expect Nintendo to unveil the new voice of Mario? Doug Bowser, quote, Ah yes, well Charles has obviously been a voice actor with us for quite some time, and as we look for ways to keep Charles involved in Nintendo's business, we thought this was a very nice transition for him, and Charles is very excited about it. I'll let Charles speak to it himself if he'd like to, but we look forward to having him continue to represent Nintendo, and importantly the Mushroom Kingdom as we go forward. I think people have recognized this when they see Super Mario Bros. Wonder, They'll hear a different voice, and we'll let that play out, and that will be within the credits. And people will learn who the new person is at that point in time. But we don't plan to make any announcement in advance of that. Unquote. Very coy. Very, very coy, Doug. What what are you hiding there, huh? Unfortunately, no hints about whatever the next Nintendo console will be, but you guys are more than welcome to go find that interview on IGN with Doug Bowser. Starfield, of course, officially launched today. However, it has already topped the sales charts of Xbox and Steam days before its official release. Via Video VG247, Game Pass members are flocking to the Xbox Store I, to hand over the $31.49 to play Starfield a few days early, I myself included. Uh, you could buy the premium upgrade through Game Pass, um, which is smart by them. Uh, you have to to be able to play on Steam. You have to, to f- buy the full premium edition at a hundred dollars, though. But it had already been going off the charts of Steam as well. Via SteamDB, it hit a concurrent peak of over two hundred forty-five thousand people. Uh, with the daily peak rising between September first and third, despite it getting less valuable as we got closer to today. So that means almost two hundred fifty thousand people. Paid the $100 to play Starfield early. Um, That's crazy. (laughs) Someone already beat the speedrun on it in less than three hours. How about that, folks? And there's a ton of mods out there already as well if you're playing on PC. Uh, Stray, the hit game where you play as a stray cat, will be getting a... Animated film adaptation. And my only question to that is why. Is, is it that fulfilling? Engaging? I, I don't understand. You play as a cat in a robot world. Does that really need a movie? EA Sports has announced a new game. Uh, that being WRC. World Rally Championship. It is a new racing game from EA Sports. Where obviously it's all rally focused. It looks decent in the teaser trailer that's interspersed with live action and with gameplay. Um, If it's a good rally game, it will will remain to be seen. Uh, EA does have several racing developers under their belt, so they do have the talent for it. We'll see, though, how it shapes up when it officially releases. A new 007 game was announced. It's called Cypher 007. It will be a mobile game hitting... Apple iPhone stores, or uh, app stores first, uh, get to relive all of 007's major moments on a mobile game. How about that? And then, also, we got to hear from Charles Martinet about his new role as a Mario ambassador. Um, Which, uh, <laughs> at a Q&A panel at GalaxyCon, which happened... Uh, just, a, a few last, a last week or so Charles Martinet said this quote, I am now a Mario ambassador. I don't know what that is yet. I'm not retired as it were, but I'm an ambassador as we step forward into the future. I will learn. We'll all learn exactly what that is. Unquote. Um, <laughs> man doesn't even know what he's doing for Nintendo. That's hilarious. That is very funny. Um, paramount. And Nickelodeon have announced that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem will be getting a video game spinoff in the near future. No surprise there. It's uh, one of the best reviewed and loved Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies. No surprise it would get a video game spinoff. Todd Howard, of course, was asked about the Bethesda's and Machine Games Indiana Jones games. And while he didn't give any concrete information, he said, let's talk next year. I'm paraphrasing there, so hopefully we'll get some news there. And how about this? Um, let me see what he actually said. It was with Esquire. He's being interviewed by Esquire. It said, uh, quote, Howard would talk more about Indiana Jones. I can tell he really wants to, but he's not allowed. Oh, that's, unquote, that's what the article says. Um, This is what Howard said to the interviewer. He said, quote, we'll talk next year, unquote. So, interesting. Maybe some more information will come out of that then. Uh, Megan Fox has been announced as playing uh, Natara in Mortal Kombat 1. Be wary, folks. Spoilers have hit the internet for the full roster reveal of Mortal Kombat. So if you don't want to be spoiled before the game launches next week, be wary. Uh, And then we've also learned... That Skull and Bones has lost its third creative director. <laughs> That's nuts. Um, via Kotaku, creative director Elizabeth Pellin left Ubisoft Singapore uh, to go back home to Ubisoft Paris. She had been working on Skull and Bones since 2018. Uh, this is the third creative director to leave the project since it was first announced. Um. There's also an organized labor campaign going on via Singapore's Creative Media and Publishing Union uh, as they try to unionize the group. Some of the developers at Ubisoft Singapore try to unionize. Um, Ubisoft said to Kotaku, quote, Five years ago, Elizabeth Pellin went to Ubisoft Singapore with a mission to reboot the creative direction of Skull & Bones. She succeeded, and the Skull & Bones team is now fulfilling her vision to deliver a unique naval action RPG experience to our players. Unquote. I don't think this game's ever coming out. Here's another case of Ubisoft vaporware. What is going on at Ubisoft, where all these big games they announce are just turning into vaporware? Huh? What are you doing over there, Eves? Come on, Eves, get the get the show on the road. You, you, people are going to keep trying to take over Ubisoft if you don't deliver, man. I got faith in you, Eves. You can do it. <laughs> um that's our final major gaming story i should say but uh, i do want to talk about starfield before we talk about hollywood i haven't put a whole lot of time into it just because even though i did get it early just things happened this weekend so i'm i'm playing it though and that's what matters right i have it, i had it before launch so that way we don't have to wait too long um for my review. I will try to re- get as much done this weekend to re- fully review it next week. Um, I'm having a lot of fun with it though. The f- the, the Starship mechanics are a little cantankerous, uh, but but intuitive. It, it's similar to how you had to like balance power in Star Wars Squadrons, even though I hated that game. It's similar in terms of how you have to balance, depending on how you want to engage in your dogfight. You have to balance either engines or missiles or, you know, ballistic missiles or, sorry, ballistic weapons, laser weapons. Obviously, you don't want to put any energy to your, your, like, hyperspace engine. I'm just calling it, I think it's called a gravity drive in the game. The gunplay is very smooth and fun. Uh, It's very easy to become encumbered where you pick up too many items and it slows you down. So that's one thing you got to watch out for. I don't know why they would make a mechanic where you could pick up every like mug and file and paper and tray. Maybe that's a Bethesda thing. This is my first Bethesda game. But it's, it's great. And I love the customization so far in terms of how many different things are available via spacesuits and weapons and stuff like that. You can get a little deeper. I haven't had that chance yet. Um, just mainly because I'm still early days in the game, early hours in the game. But there's different like workbenches to work on weapons, on different materials, on your suit, on your jetpack. E- everything, everything is there. And the the when it comes to like shipbuilding, it looks to be like that will be a very big post-game thing, which is fine because via everyone that's been playing it, this you're gonna people are gonna be putting. Hundreds of hours into this game. And that's fine. I don't know if I'll be able to put hundreds of hours. Maybe over time I will. Uh, but. But. Nonetheless. Starfield is great. I'm having a lot of fun. It's very crisp and clear. Uh, it does run at a 30. Stable 30 frames per second. Found via Digital Foundry and, and Eurogamer. But overall. it's it, There's a lot too. There is a lot to get into in this game and it can be overwhelming but if you go in with an open mind and you're excited or if you loved Skyrim or Fallout I think you're going to enjoy this game. I've never played those and I'm still having a lot of fun because it is as they say NASA punk so I get it's got a very more realistic vibe to it than maybe some other sci-fi games. Um but it it's it's definitely something to enjoy and like I said there there's plenty to do. There is definitely plenty to do, regardless of the main quest or not. So don't feel like... Don't let it overwhelm you. Like I said, it it can be overwhelming and daunting, but don't let it, because it's very fun. And to comment on some of the the issues people had before, like the not being able to explore everywhere... Well, Alana Pierce, who is uh, a gaming personality... Decided to manually fly to Pluto. It took seven hours. So no one can really complain about not being able to explore in this game. Yes, you can jump to places, but you can do it manually. It just takes forever. So, <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's what's going on with Starfield. People just love to complain because they can complain. But uh, that's kind of it for gaming. Uh, that, those are just my initial thoughts on Starfield so far. Next week, I'll have a little bit more in depth on it. Um, but let's, uh, let's check in on Hollywood, shall we? So, so, so. What's going on in Hollywood, Hollywood, the great city to the north. It's not that far. Um, <laughs> anyway, Adam Driver was recently at a film festival and has called out Amazon and Netflix. He was, uh, this is via Variety, and he was at a press conference to promote the Ferrari movie at the Venice Film Festival, Which he is allowed to do because of special accommodations given by SAG-AFTRA. And uh, it's mainly because of its independent film status. And he said, quote, I'm very proud to be here to be a visual representation of a movie that's not part of the AMPTP and to promote the SAG leadership directive, which is an effective tactic, which is the interim agreement. The other objective is obviously to say, why is it that smaller distribution company like Neon and STX International can meet the dream demands of what SAG is asking for? This is pre-negotiations. The dream version of SAG's wish list. But a big company like Netflix and Amazon can't. Every time people from SAG go and support a movie that has met the terms of the interim agreement, these people are willing to support the people they are all that they all collaborate with and the others are not. Unquote. Hey, look. Give it to him, Adam. Dude, that's right. How come? How come so far we've seen A twenty four, Neon, STX, these smaller companies meet the demands of SAG, yet the billion dollar companies cannot? Huh? It's a it's a legitimate question, because a those companies are just looking for profit. B their streaming numbers are fugazi, and we all know this by now, right? Or if they're not Fugazi and they are real, the studios don't want to pay the real residuals that are owed to the actors and the writers. So, it is a big deal for him to make this comment. And I I finally understand how his movie, you know, he's able to do this without being a scab, right? So, so good on Adam Driver. Hopefully this doesn't hurt him. Because uh, sometimes studios like to play that stupid game, but... We'll see what happens, because we're going to talk more on this in just a bit. The Flash finally dropped on HBO, on, excuse me, on Max, and it's off to a uh, limp, limping start, if you will. It only had 1.1 million viewers in its first drop on Max, less than Black Adam, which is pretty, pretty sad, (laughs) because it's a good movie. It really is. Just everything with Ezra. I get it. The exorcist, Exor, exorcist the exorcist Believer, which is a sequel to the original Exorcist film, has moved up a week to get out of Taylor Swift's way. And you're saying, Nick, the Era's tour is music. How could it affect a movie release? Well, audience, I would tell you that Taylor Swift has decided to release an Era's tour docu-film and completely bypassed the studios as Taylor supports SAG-AFTRA and the WGA. Clearly. She's been able to finance the release of the film herself, going straight to theaters. It's pissed the studios off in a way that is just pure gold bliss right now. Yes, Taylor Swift has entered the ring. <laughs> um, speaking of the strike, AMC Networks and SAG-AFTRA have worked out an interim agreement uh, as The Walking Dead, Daryl Dixon, will resume production. AMC Networks and the Screen Actors Guild, American Federation of Television and Radio Artists, have worked out a deal. Via deadline, uh, AMC has negotiated directly with SAG-AFTRA to secure this interim agreement for the series to continue filming. Um, it also allows the casts and crews of The Walking Dead, The Ones Who Live, An interview with a vampire to return to work as well. Um, This is very uh, interesting. The show hasn't even premiered yet. Uh, This interim agreement will allow the series, which is the fifth spinoff of The Walking Dead, to continue. Uh, It does take place in Europe. And uh, that's wild, man. AMC, who I forget sometimes is an independent network. (laughs) <laughs> ...has um, negotiated. That's cool. Look at them. Look at them. Suck it, A-M-P-T-P. Marvel may have shifted around some release dates... ...if a report from The Hollywood Reporter is to be believed. Uh, we've all, We've learned, via The Hollywood Reporter, that what if... ...Marvel's What If Season 2 may have been shifted to a potential Christmas Day release... Uh, Loki Season 2 remains set for October. Um, that show was supposed to premiere earlier this year. Echo, which is a spin off of Hawkeye, which is set to feature uh, appearances by both Daredevil and Kingpin, has moved to January from a November release. X Men 97, which has apparently gotten a Season 2 green light already is set to premiere sometime in early 2024, despite supposed to be airing around now. Agatha Coven of Chaos, which has now been renamed, allegedly, Agatha Darkhold Diaries, I wonder if that changes the whole shtick of the show, may have been pushed to a fall 2024 release to coincide with next Halloween. Wow, that's a huge delay. Ironheart has been removed from the schedule completely. That is the uh, spin-off of Black Panther Wakanda Forever, the girl who takes over Iron Man's mantle, uh, Riri Williams. Daredevil Born Again has officially been delayed, uh, given the strike. And Wonder Man, starring Yahya Abdul-Mateen, has also hit a snag. Uh, They only just started production, so that's going to be a while for that show, it looks like. So none of this has officially been announced by Disney or Marvel, so take it with a grain of salt. But given that The Hollywood Reporter is reporting it, there's probably a lot of truth to it. Uh, If you're waiting to watch Barbie at home, you don't have to wait much longer, as it will hit digital storefronts on September 12th. No word on a max release date, though. A new Godzilla trailer was released. This is for the new Toho Godzilla film, which releases in Japan in November and the U.S. in December. Uh, it is called Godzilla Minus One. Uh, it finally shows off a bulk of what Godzilla will look like. And it's set in 1954, post-war Japan. It's almost as it it, it might be a full reboot of the series, and it's giving off a lot of... Uh, Godzilla 2014 vibes in a good way, uh, in a way that they've never been able to port- portray Godzilla like that in 1954 in a Japanese Godzilla film, since you know it's been 60, 70 years. <laughs> One Piece live action finally dropped on Amazon, Amazon, on Netflix this past week, and it looks to be doing very well. Uh, it debuted to 18.5 million views. And 140 million hours viewed over the first four days via Netflix. Uh, No word on a second season. It has topped Netflix's top ten. Pushing other series out of the way. And it looks like it may have done better than Cowboy Bebop's live action debut on Netflix. Which only had 21.6 million hours viewed. So... Despite mixed reviews, One Piece is doing well. Props to Straw Hat Luffy on that one. So, in another odd thing going on with Hollywood, Warner Brothers has announced that the strikes will cost them between $300 and $500 million uh, due to the ongoing strikes. Again, via the Hollywood Reporter, it says uh, in a regulatory filing... Warner Brothers said, quote, lowered its 2023 adjusted earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization forecast to $10.5 billion, 11 billion, a hit uh, from 11 billion, a hit of 300 million to 500 million, unquote. I'm not even going to read the rest of all this other bullshit because you know what, Warner Brothers? Pay your fucking people, man oh, we're going to take this huge hit, but we're not going to give them what they want. Like, really? You'd rather take this huge fucking loss than pay them not much more. You'd, you'd rather take a $500 million loss on on, on this than, than not just be realistic with these people. Are you fucking kidding me? This is insane. It's asinine. You could have had Dune out this year and made all that money back, but instead, because you thought the strikes would just be over and they'd all be pushovers, you delayed it and you're going to take a huge loss. Don't you think this should be a wake-up call to maybe say, hey, maybe instead of losing money, we work with them to make money? Huh. Imagine that. It's wild thinking to be rational, isn't it? What, what are they doing, man? What are they doing? I don't know. Uh, Jonathan Major's trial, which was supposed to start today, has been delayed yet again. I wonder what will happen with him. Well, at least we know that things with Marvel are going to be delayed anyway, so we'll find out eventually. Due to the ongoing writer strike, The late-night hosts have been off TV. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Fallon, John Oliver, uh, uh, Seth Meyers. They've all been off the air, Stephen Colbert. Well, the five of them have decided to launch a podcast called The Strike Force Five. And it's hilarious hearing all their different anecdotes about working in late-night and in the industry and the fact that they're all friends compared to the last time there was a writer's strike the late night hosts probably hated each other to be honest so it's it's nice to see that they're all friends it like I said it is hilarious there is um it it's it they're so funny that first off the fact that they're funny without writers is is a good thing, but the stories they tell there's a story about that Stephen Colbert tells about his mother and um, having, like, a dictator's pants. Actually, it's just all stories from Colbert that are even greater. He tells a story about working at Second City with Jim Belushi. Jimmy Kimmel has a Jim Belushi story. There's just a, a ton of fun anecdotes on there that I really urge you guys all... I urge you guys to listen. Proceeds are helping the strikes and pay their staff. So it's really fun. If you want to hear fun stories about late night, it's all there. It's great. Check it out. Um, the trailer for the new Chicken Run sequel dropped and people are up in arms, arms, arms over the voice changes. It looks fun, coming to Netflix. Uh, Miyazaki, his last film with Studio Ghibli, The Boy and the Heron, will release December 8th. Got a new trailer for Gen V, which is the, the boys spinoff. It will set, take place between season 3 and 4. Uh, and there's two big stories I want to talk about. Again, with the strike, uh, Aaron Paul has come out and said that he does not get any residuals from Netflix for Breaking Bad. Uh, so, speaking with Entertainment Tonight Canada from the picket lines, uh, he said, "quote I don't get a piece from Netflix on Breaking Bad, and if we're being totally honest, and that's insane, and if we're being totally honest, that's insane to me." unquote He also said, quote, shows live forever on these streamers, and it goes through waves. I just saw the other day that Breaking Bad was trending on Netflix. I think a lot of these streamers, they know that they have been getting away with not paying people a fair wage, and now it's time to pony up, and that's just one of the things we're fighting for, unquote. Right. I totally agree. You know, actors used to be paid residuals when their show would would air or rerun. Um, that's how the Friends cast make a lot of money, right, on on reruns. They get residual checks, uh, writers as well. Uh, I also heard, speaking of this, the, the showrunner for for Supernatural doesn't get residuals. And Supernatural is always one of the top streaming shows on Netflix. So it, it boggles my mind that these companies that make all this money are not paying, they, they get away with a lot of it because they don't have to pay residuals to the people on these shows. Especially with terrestrial TV dying, which is where money would be made. And here's the thing. Streaming doesn't have commercials. And I get it. And that's where a bulk of that money would be paid to residuals. And I understand that. And maybe the solution might be to put ads on streaming. I know it's not best, but if they're going to keep jacking up the price on us and it's Not paying residuals? What the fuck is it paying? Is it because they're not making money because they're making dog shit content? Netflix is a prime example. There's so much shit that is Netflix made and it's shit. It's dog shit. It's absolute dog shit. Go back to pilot season where like if people didn't like it, don't fucking make it anymore. Don't dump all of the money into it if people don't like it. Because then it's a waste of money. I thought these companies are about, you know, the bottom line and return on investment. But if you're going to release shows that no one's fucking watching or release them that just fall off a fucking cliff, this is what pilot season was on terrestrial television. A company would pay for a pilot. They would air it. If people liked it, they would green light the show and pay for all the episodes. If people hated it, guess what? It wouldn't make it to air. And they didn't have to dump money into a whole season. Netflix is also making a ton of fucking reality shows. So that's cheap. And and I hate to say this because there is stuff on Netflix I like. And I like content on other platforms and other streamers. But like you need actors and you need writers for good content. And if you don't have either, you're not going to have content. Reality TV can only go so far these days. You, look, you, you you can't have just a billion dating shows and a billion housewife shows and a billion like re- realtor shows. It's not gonna last. It's not gonna last. People are gonna get bored, and people are really gonna hate AI shit when the when the studios try to pull it. So just pay the fucking people, man. Some of these residual checks are like five dollars. i you, you know, I know that's stupid, but instead of of just dicking around and making your money off having it on on Netflix is making money off of having Breaking Bad on Netflix. Pay the man, pay the people some money, all right? It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. You, everything's broken. Everything is broken and and I don't know if it's going to get fixed properly. Um, here's a huge story. It turns out Rotten Tomatoes may have been paying for good reviews on the website. So, this is wild. Um, this is via Vulture. Has uncovered a scheme that a PR firm called Bunker 15 paid for reviews for the 2018 Daisy Ridley drama Ophelia. Um, and paid for positive reviews. So the movie originally came out with a 46% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, Obviously, so if you don't know what Rotten Tomatoes is, it's an aggregate site for movie reviews. Anything under 60% is deemed a rotten movie. So 46% is rotten. So Vulture found that Bunker 15 started paying lower-level critics on the website $50 a pop, to type up positive reviews to manipulate the score. Um, What happened is it then jumped to a 62%, making it fresh the next month. IFC Films uh, then announced that it acquired it for distribution. Bunker 15 has denied the allegations. Um, I'm not sure if Rotten was involved in it, but this is a huge deal because Rotten... Has always been accused of of doing things like this. Um, holy shit. IGN owned Rotten Tomatoes? I didn't know that. Um, or maybe uh, Ziff Davis owned it. But. Oh wow. No. Never mind. They just flat out outright owned. They outright owned Rotten Tomatoes from 2004 to 2010. That's funny. Um. Hummel Bundle is owned by IGN, too. Anyway, uh, (laughs) that's funny. That is really funny. They're owned by Ziff Davis now. They were owned by News Corp back then, which, again, interesting. Uh, Anyway, Rotten Tomatoes has been under scrutiny for a very long time. So we'll see if it turns out they were involved in some way. And final bit of uh, movie news, TV news here before we switch over to the 80s animated films. Ahsoka last night was, hands down, the greatest piece of Star Wars television I've ever seen. And that includes The Mandalorian, Obi-Wan, Clone Wars, Rebels, all of that. It, It felt the closest to a movie, and I've been saying that almost every week for Ahsoka. That's because Ahsoka is that good. Dave Filoni knows what he's doing. Ahsoka... Was amazing. And it ended on a spectacular cliffhanger. And my new favorite, like, gray area Jedi, dark Jedi, whatever you want to call it, is Balin Skull. Played by Ray um, Stevenson. D- the dude was, like, methodical in his fight with Ahsoka. That was one of the greatest lightsaber fights we've seen on screen in Star Wars since The Last Jedi. H- hands down. That was amazing. And methodical precision, surgical precision in like fighting off Sabine and her blaster bolts, and his fight with, with Ahsoka, and you hear his lightsaber crackling. It just was was oh my god, it was so good. And then the fight with Ahsoka or with, with Sabine and um Balin Hati, I think is her name. The new like Padawan of, of Balin's skull. Oh, I just gave her... Anyway, her name. The, the Padawan of of Skull. That fight was great too. Ahsoka lost a helmet. Ahsoka. I keep saying Ahsoka. Sabine lost her helmet in it. And then a major, major cameo appearance from a certain person at the end as they go to the World Between Worlds, which if you're not familiar is some amorphous place within the Force. Oh my god. Oh my god. Next week is going to be fucking insane. Next week will also probably be the best episode of Star Wars television. Who knows? It's that good. There's also amazing shots of the the new like hyperspace ring ship that the te- the, the 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 like Balin Skull and them are using to get to Thrawn. So Oh my god, it's so great. You need to watch Ahsoka if you're not, because it's that good. But try to watch Rebels and Clone Wars before if you can. Um, that's it for TV and, and movies. Uh, let's talk about my favorite animated movies from the 80s, shall we? So, uh, in our ongoing effort to talk about old movies, uh, with the ongoing strike and things like that, not really talking a lot about new stuff, I uh, have been going over my favorite movies from old decades, we've been doing the 80s for quite a while, we got another week of 80s movies, this time 80s animation, and uh, as always we'll start at the bottom, and uh, you guys might be surprised by this, given my love for this franchise, but Transformers the movie at number 10. Released August 8th, 1986. Great stellar voice cast. Honestly though, if you hadn't been watching the Transformers cartoon before, you're going to be very lost at the way this movie plays out. And Optimus dies in it. Spoilers for a 40 fucking year old movie. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean I like it. Don't get me wrong. And Orson Welles is Unicron? Like, come on. But, but, it's okay. At most. And number nine, The Jetsons Meet the Flintstones, released on television, November 15th, 1987. This is a fun little time travel-ish thing where technically like the, the Flintstones live on the earth down below the Jetsons or something like that. I, I don't totally remember. I just remember the, the fun hijinks of, of future meeting past because it's very funny and, and it's like fish out of water type stories. Number eight, when you're the best of friends. The Fox and the Hound, released July 10th, 1981. I'm not crying, you're crying. This is a great movie. Um, It's a very sad movie as well. I know my brother particularly enjoys this movie. Um, Tells the story of a fox and a hound that become friends. Obviously the, the hound belongs to a hunter. And, uh, you know, hounds and foxes can't really, really be friends because they hunt each other. So, uh, look at Disney pulling at their heartstrings as as per usual. Number seven, we got The Brave Little Toaster. Mainly for nostalgia reasons. Uh, It's a fun little movie about a toaster who is brave. No, I'm kidding. Uh, The toaster gets, like, thrown out and he's with other appliances. The movie's fucking scary at points, too. Especially when you're a kid, man. Some wild things going on in this movie, and other machines like getting killed and stuff. This is not a kids movie, man. Whoever said this was a kids movie is insane. Jesus. Another movie that aired on television, uh, the Animal Olympics, released February first, nineteen eighty, to go along with the nineteen eighty Olympics on NBC. This is this is a really fun movie, um, because it it shows like animals as if they were in the actual olympics and it shows them playing in in different sports like rhinos play if i remember correctly rhinos play in like hockey there's runners and there's like a runner that gets lost in shangri-la and then like a goat runner and he falls in love with a um like a, a gazelle runner if i remember right there's curling there's there's uh track and field events It it is a cool movie i don't know if you can watch it anymore i have a vivid memory of this i think we I had it on vhs as a kid okay so it's it's on tubi it's on amazon prime it's on sling you should definitely check it out it is a fun little movie um i very much enjoy it i know it's old but you guys should check it out it might be fun for your kids if you have kids if you've never seen it it's cool to check out it's 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 a very fun movie for sure. And, and Gilda Radner and Billy Crystal are in it, so that alone should tell you how it it's funny too and that and it works, especially if there's like an Olympics going on. It's really fun. Number 5, no surprise here. Uh The Little Mermaid, released November 17th, 1989. Look at this stuff. Isn't it neat? Wouldn't you wonder if my collection's complete? This is pro This is probably the most watched Disney movie that I have other than maybe Hercules or maybe The Lion King. Like those three are my most watched. The Little Mermaid is a great movie, the original. I haven't watched the new one yet, so I, I can't say yes or no on that. But I very much enjoy The Little Mermaid, Ariel, Triton, the whole shebang. I am. This is one of my favorite Disney movies. Full stop. You don't need to worry about what's going on with me. You know, it's it's a thing of a bob. All right, and and that's where I'm going to leave it. At number four, we have The Land Before Time, and uh, this movie makes me cry. Littlefoot and his friends on their journey to reach a new home, running from the sharp tooth, sharp tooth. Um, I get very emotional watching this movie, um, released November 18th, 1988, almost a year before the Lone Mermaid. It, it, it's Amblin Entertainment from the, from Steven Spielberg essentially produced it. Um, this went on to be a major franchise. I think they made like 20 movies after this. Obviously only the first few are good, but this is a great movie to show your kids, especially if they like dinosaurs. Uh, the Land Before Time is, like I said, it pulls at the heartstrings, man. It, it makes me emotional, but I love it. Uh, number three, another Amblin movie. Another movie that makes me cry. An American Tale. Uh, Five. Coming to America. Released November 21st, 1986. Um, somewhere out there. I'm getting a little, uh, choked up talking about these movies, uh, be- because of, of where they, they, what they mean to me growing up, um, and American Tale, I somewhat can see, uh, I don't identify with it completely just because I didn't go through this experience, but, you know, my, my grandparents did, so it's, it's something that I can somewhat understand, um, if you have not watched An American Tale or even its sequel, Fievel Goes West, uh, please do because this is probably one of the best non-Disney animated films ever created um, An American Tale. At number two is The Chipmunk Adventure, released May twenty-second, 1987. And you're going, what? There's a chipmunk movie from the 80s? And I will say yes, and it's amazing. And I used to watch this movie any time it was on TV. The chipmunks and the chipettes go on an adventure to collect different dolls or animals. And they, they essentially are fighting like an evil dude. And it's honestly better than all of the live action chipmunk movies combined. It is a great movie. There's great music. It's from when the chipmunks were in the 80s. Like, where are the chipmunks? I don't don't remember the words, but the movie also has a great soundtrack. So yes, The The Chipmunk Adventure is my number two animated film from the 80s. And my number one is not necessarily a family affair. Uh, Akira, released July 16th, 1988. This is an anime film uh, purely for adults. I do not advise watching this with children. Uh, it is one of the greatest anime films of all time. It is one of the greatest animes of all time. Uh, it tells the story of Neo Tokyo, a boy finds like a mutant. Honestly, it predicted the the nineteen the twenty twenty Tokyo Olympics as well, because uh, it's set in twenty nineteen. Uh, it it has inspired so many films. If you've seen a movie where a person rides a motorcycle and then they kind of like skid it to a stop and it like turns sideways with their like their foot on the ground that's because it was inspired by Akira that is a a scene that has been replicated in almost every movie since (laughs) Um, uh, Taika Waititi wants to make a live-action movie if you've never watched it I highly recommend you watch it I think it's on Hulu still like I said is one of the greatest animes of all time, one of the greatest mangas of all time, it is just a great piece of media, uh, like I said, not for kids though, not for kids, there's a lot going on, it's typical 80's anime, where it's it's kind of hyper violent in a lot of places, so, I don't advise kids, but I, it, it, like I said, it is worth a watch, because it is that good, um, but yeah, that's it, that's my 80's animated movies, thank you guys for listening, uh, just a recap, Transformers the movie, Jetsons Meet the Flintstones, The Fox and the Hound, The Brave Little Toaster, Animal Olympics, The Little Mermaid, The Land Before Time, An American Tale, Chipmunk Adventure, and Akira. Top 10 80s animated films. Um, shout out, though, to The Secret of the Name, The Black Cauldron, and All Dogs Go to Heaven. And you're like, wait, Nick, there's more. Well, those are the only ones I've seen. So, <laughs> uh, next week we'll do 80s teen movies as we continue to round out the 80s. Uh, With that being said, don't forget to check out nixnernews.com, follow us on socials, subscribe to the podcast, like us, share us, subscribe to us, and I will catch you guys on the flip side. This has been a production of Nixner News. Please Do not use without implicit faxed permission. And yes, that means with a fax machine. Thank you and have a nice day.